Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. It's The Breakfast Club revisited and entitled The Composer's Breakfast Club, this time with Hollywood music makers talking over smoked salmon and fresh fruit at a private club on the beach in Malibu. Their major concern recently is the flood of copyright lawsuits, infringement lawsuits with hefty verdicts. Joining me is Vernon Silver, Bloomberg News senior reporter for projects and investigations. So Vernon, tell us a little bit about this breakfast club. Yeah, this is interesting. I you know, went to one of their, their meetings early one Monday morning recently in, in Malibu uh, to take their pulse about these, these infringement lawsuits. And we've, we've heard a lot from some of the old rockers from the classic rock and classic soul era about their protests, about how, how their work is being lifted. And I wanted to see what current composers were saying about this. And the fact is, they're scared. Um, you know, they make their living day in, day out through ads and soundtracks to TV and and uh, and movies uh, making new music that that's catchy and they really do have to stand on the shoulders of of giants and these legal challenges uh you know are tough for them uh what i found fascinating is uh, you write that they they sort of reenact some of the famous trials that uh, have gone wrong apparently recently for them which is uh, the blurred lines trial and the recent uh, Katy perry trial yeah, exactly. And, and what they've done is they've come to the opposite conclusion of what, you know, people off the street on a jury come to. You know, they say, you know, someone hears the two records together on a jury and they say, yeah, it sounds the same. Guilty. In their case, as, as professionals, they they see this sort of infringement as well. They didn't copy the exact notes and that kind of thing. And, and what's happening now is they have their eyes on the big one coming up, which is the stairway to heaven dispute, which is hitting next week in, in San Francisco in the appeals court. It seems like everyone, in fact, the court in New York put on hold the trial over Ed Sheeran's song because they're waiting for this Ninth Circuit appellate argument, which is going to be an on-bank court. That means 11 judges on the court. What's going to happen there? Yeah, I mean, this is this is what it's really building up to. All of these cases, which have involved, you know, in some cases, you know, Marvin Gaye and, and Katy Perry, and you know, all these big names, the oldies versus the new the new ones, really come to a head uh, next week at this at this hearing in San Francisco, where this is the test case. You know, we're one step from the Supreme Court over how how to understand what copying of these old songs are. In this case, it's Stairway to Heaven. Everybody knows the opening notes of that. Were they lifted from this obscure? instrumental called Taurus by the band Spirit. This is a 1960s song um, that very few people have heard, but that, you know, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin had this record in his collection. Maybe he copied it, maybe he didn't. Um, the, the thing here is how they made copyright protection until 1978 was by depositing a little piece of sheet music at the Copyright Office in Washington. In this case, it was just 124 notes that were written down and stuck in the, co- in, in the Copyright Office in this case. And, you know, should that be enough or should they listen to the record when comparing them. That's that's what's at stake here. And you talk in your article about thin protection, that it could lead to thin protection. Explain what you mean by that. Yeah, this has turned into a showdown between you know the entire music industry, which is backed by the Trump administration in this case, and you know it really it's Led Zeppelin's case, but it's turned into the whole music industry's case now versus the old composers from the oldies, 
and <clears throat> what they're arguing is that some of these these old songs should really be given thin copyright protection, meaning that if they were just built out of commonplace musical themes and pieced together in some way uh, that seems original but maybe is not so original, that maybe we should just give thin protection to the older songs. The upshot being that if Led Zeppelin and the music industry get their way in this case, that a lot of these older songs will really be open for you know free picking by you know members of this breakfast club in Malibu, for example, who will then be able to use kind of whatever they want. And it could be not just even music. Like what happens if you have thin protection for screenplays? Maybe I don't lift the entire screenplay of your TV show, but maybe I, I take the idea a little bit, and that's what they're worried about. You know, I wonder, Led Zeppelin won at the trial level, so the jury voted for Led Zeppelin, and a lot of that may have been, you know, a feel for Led Zeppelin, this iconic band. Now you have the Trump administration, the music industry uh, on Led Zeppelin's side, and one wonders how that might play into things. It, it makes it makes wonder. Yeah, I mean these are these are rock stars. I mean, I was at the trial, you know, in Los Angeles, and there was one moment I counted the minutes, 22 minutes in which all three surviving members of Led Zeppelin were there in the courtroom with the you know, only about 50 of us. There is a star quality to this. You know, and and if you think of also the age of a lot of these federal judges, these are people of a generation who might have liked Led Zeppelin. Um they could be seen as sympathetic, but that's what the other side wants to argue in this is, you know, how how about these, these less paid, lesser known uh, songwriters from that era, whether in soul or rock, um, don't they deserve to have their intellectual property protected too? Well, I was just at the rock and roll exhibit at the Met here, mm -hmm. and they have, uh, you know, pages, all his, his guitars, and, and they have a video of him. And I have to tell you that it was entrancing. So is he going to be or are any members of the band going to be at the uh, at the hearing next week? None of none of them are expected to show up. Uh, we checked the touring schedules. You know, Robert <laughs> Plant is vaguely in the area, um, but I think they they were loath to show up for the uh, for the trial itself. So I, I don't think uh, any any Star Watchers are, are going to catch them there. Your best bet actually is to go to the Met exhibit and listen to the <laughs> video that Jimmy Page made, where he really he talks about the creation of Stairway to Heaven. I mean, I'm surprised it's not a an exhibit in the trial at this point. Well, now, just to, just to take us back for a second, just review briefly the history of this, of, of, the, of the Led Zeppelin trial, where it's so been. It, it, um, it's, it started with the Bloomberg Business Week story that compared the two, uh, and we went and interviewed some of the, the band members from, and family members from Spirit and, um, and their lawyer. And in the process of that, uh, in you know, 2014, uh, they sued in Philadelphia, got transferred to uh, L.A. And, and really, this is about the early, you know, they rehashed the history where Led Zeppelin's first concert in the U.S. was them opening for Spirit. Um, and, you know, and in the following days, they started playing a Spirit song. And they pieced this together. You know, would Led Zeppelin have heard the song? Did they, they, they own the record and all this stuff? And it's an interesting tale that, you know, it's ancient rock history, but, you know, it's intriguing. It's the story. It's the story of our culture. It absolutely is. And I'll bring Jason Kelly in here because it is so fascinating when you hear this. And it doesn't happen anymore in rock. Well, and, and Vernon, you've been tracking this so closely. We love talking to you about it for our Business Week uh, radio and television shows. This could fundamentally change the way that musicians think about how they put together songs, right? 
No, Jason, you're right. I mean, this is in, in talking to them. If you think about it, just in the soundtracks for films, the way you know a director makes a film and just shoves in a couple of songs, they call them spec songs, and say, you know, for this scene, make something that sounds like that. And this is how the music is made. It's reverse engineered. How much can we do to make it sound a certain way? You know, if you open up some of these these riffs, that, you know, guitar solos, sax solos that were never written down on the sheet music that was deposited in Washington, you open that up, they you know they can make ringtones. They can, we'll have to leave it there, Vernon, but we will check back with you after the trial, which is next week, after the hearing, I should say. That's Vernon Silver, Bloomberg News Senior Reporter for Projects and Investigations. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.